Should I do a live interview at 10.30 DC, New York time? I think it's a great idea. You should drink a little bit before, too. Oh, I've definitely been drinking already. Perfect. Yeah. I, I think, it, I think, I mean, it sounds like a fantastic idea. <laughs> I said no. You said no? I declined it. Why? Because I haven't shaved, honestly. Uh, uh, what's wrong with a little stubble? You're listening to Dots, Lines, and Destinations, a travel podcast with host Stephen Seagraves, Fosma Moon, and Seth Miller. Hello, and welcome to episode 417 of Dots, Lines, and Destinations. I'm Stephen Seagraves, joined this week by Fosma Mood and Seth Miller. Gentlemen. Good evening. How you yeah. doing? We, we recorded a little later this week to maybe catch all the news before it happens. Yeah, not likely. No, probably not. A lot of news, though. A lot of sad news. A oh, little sad, a lot of crazy. Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing is the Yeti Airlines crash in Nepal uh, today. Uh, we're recording this on Sunday. Um, don't really know a lot about it, but it sounds uh, like a complete loss, unfortunately. And, uh, and I think they've confirmed. Well, at one point, I saw a note that it was 68 confirmed fatalities. So I'm not sure if they had bodies or just were pretty sure no one survived or what. But it was 68 passengers, four crew, and yeah, not good. No. And this was in Pakora, uh, Nepal. So sad, and we'll we'll just have to wait and see what the uh, what the uh, investigation brings up. And... Yeah, I went back and looked. I was supposed to fly that route. Oh, really? With, with Yeti Airlines. Oh, oh wow! Back in twenty nineteen, I was at the other direction. I was going from Pokhara to back to Kathmandu. But we uh, after we did our hiking out there in twenty nineteen, had the tickets booked. We got to the airport, and it's funny. My our guide like was out there with us, did the whole thing, and it was theoretically a group tour, but it was a private because no one else signed up because we were off season. Uh, and he's like, well, if you need me, here's my cell phone number. I'm taking the bus back. Uh, <laughs> talk to you later. He's like, check the weather. I was like, yeah, I looked at it. I think it'll be okay. I think it'll be okay. And he like laughed at me, but we went to bed. The next morning, they had the hotel had a car take us to the airport. All was good. It was like looking okay. And then the bog rolled in. So, so how did you end up getting back to Kathmandu? This is actually a good one. They canceled our flight. They canceled the flight before. They canceled the flight after it. And like, even if planes started going again, it wasn't going to happen. Yeah. And like the timing was starting to get silly. Um, I actually texted our driver, our guide. I was like, hey, flight canceled. He's like, haha, I know. Um, and then I was like, we need a driver. Can you can you find like find someone and book it for us? We'll be sitting here having a tea waiting. And 15 and he came back to me. He's like, it'll be this much money for uh, like a you know, two door sedan. I was like, nope, upgrade to the four wheel, like the four by four. I want the f- full size vehicle. Like, oh, that's gonna be thirty dollars extra. I'm like, perfect, thank you. He says, walk outside, turn right, walk about a hundred meters. You'll see a guy waving a red sign or something like that. We walked outside with our like we had to get our bags that we had checked back, grabbed them, walked outside, and there was a guy. Sure, he's like, text this number. The guy will wave at you. You're good to go. And sure enough, we actually picked <laughs> up. We actually found two other passengers who also had canceled flights. I'm like, I got an SUV outside ready to go back to Kathmandu if you want to split the fare. They did, so I cut our price in half um, and had a lovely chat with these people for like the four hour ride back. And then the driver was like, so where do I go now that I'm in Kathmandu? I'm like, fuck if I know. Who's third? Um, <laughs> there's our one. Uh, and he's, I was like, what do you, he's like, what do we do? I'm like, hang on a sec. I texted my, our guide again. He had his motorcycle parked in the like garage or something. He came out and he's like, tell the driver to go here. And at this point, I just haven't talked to the driver, but like the driver pulled over on the ring road somewhere outside of Kathmandu our guide pulled up on his motorcycle, tapped on the window, and said, basically, follow me, and guided him in 
called my door on hotel and dropped us off. Like we got out first. The other couple was staying at a different hotel. He was like, yeah, gave them directions that were good enough, I guess. I mean, never heard from him again. So probably. Wow. Anyway, that was having, you know, sort of full service guide type environment is kind of a nice way to travel. (laughs) Sounds like it. Yeah, for sure. Um, FAA outage. So I think this took up most of the week for us. Yeah. Talking about this. Um, I think this was spotted, what, last Sunday night? Yeah. Uh, and I know at least on Sunday afternoon. Yeah. Um, and it, I, I think everyone was kind of like, oh, well, they'll just get it. The people who noticed it said, oh, they'll get it, you know, back up and running by the next day. And the no times get issued, uh, you know, new, new no tamps come in at midnight. So what is a no tamp? Or is it just, they can come in whenever, but like airport airports uh, so it's both right so you can you can have no tams come in at any time uh but there's typically like when airports set dates for things or you know like oh runway x will be closed between this date and this date they'll have it so that it's published on those dates and so okay. it's like so the future state stuff is sort of at midnight but if like for whatever reason an incident happens they have to close the runway they can publish it immediately if they have to Exactly. So they can they can push it immediately. So I, I think everyone was kind of thinking, oh, well, I mean, all the no tams for today, like the big ones have been issued. If there's been any, you know, live issues that people aren't seeing, the towers will tell people um, and, and tell flights um, and then they'll get this fixed by midnight. And midnight rolled around as I was watching it and it didn't get fixed. And then uh, 6 a.m. came around when all the flights start leaving the East Coast. And I think cancellations and delays were pretty uh, imminent from then on out. But this was on Tuesday or, or Wednesday, right? It wasn't on uh, Sunday. Was it? I can't was remember what day it was. It was, it was, it was Wednesday because the Wednesday was when I was supposed to fly. Okay, so it was Tuesday night. Sorry. Yeah. 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 We, 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 like... Facts, don't let the facts get in the way of this story, Foss. I mean... <laughs> what are we? Uh, um, uh, to answer Foss's earlier question, notice to air missions, it's... Uh, is what NODEM stands for, and it's basically messages to pilots that cover everything from runways are closed to there's a tower that doesn't have a light blinking on it like it should, or someone's mowing the grass. But some of them are obviously more important than others, and pilots are supposed to review them before flying. And that's and it's usually built into the flight plans. Like the airlines will actually use it uh, if there's no TAMs that say you know this runway's out of use, then the flight plan will likely not use that runway, etc. So. It gets used by a bunch of people, and it's. I think there's an argument that no tams are filled with junk. Uh, like every bird, I think, gets reported. So you know, birds near the runway. I mean, what what airport doesn't have birds near the runway? Or things like cranes. I think that's the joke. The running joke is, oh, look at all these cranes that are ten miles from the airport that I don't have to really worry about, but they have to be listed because they're over a certain height. So that there's some like serious. I, I think this has raised some serious questions around. One, the technology behind the NOTAM system, and two, it needs to be updated. There's like a whole underground movement to update how NOTAMs are filed. So it's not that underground anymore. Like IKO has sort of signed on. There's work happening, but like anything in aviation, it's slow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's, you know, before it's deliberate, let's say. Maybe not slow, but it is. Yeah. So what's, what was interesting is that, you know, we had the FAA outage and then uh, NAV Canada had the similar issue in the afternoon. That's true. Yeah, which is weird. I mean, they're not interlinked, right? Like, yeah, um, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, all everyone, pretty much every country has a NOTAM system, so that their airports can you know, send this yeah. information out. 
But uh, yeah, it's 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 weird. And then they said it's a uh, it was a database file that was corrupted. And right, like I feel like the statements have been there've been a lot of different statements. Like one was someone edited a file incorrectly that it was maybe a database file was bad, and then the backup was bad, and the, like. I don't know. I the IT guy in me is like none of the answers we've gotten actually make any sense. But then it's also like they're not going to tell us, and so I should just stop bothering. Yeah, yeah. I think everybody thought at first it was like cyber attack. I um, did like four media interviews. Yeah, on different news stations and whatever. One of them, like actually, guys out of the uh, UAE were like, "So this was a cyber attack, right?" I'm like, "Nope, probably not. No evidence of that yet." It's like, "Well, what's the odds it was a cyber attack? Can you put a number on it?" I was like, "No." <laughs> Yeah, well, aren't you, like, aren't you like, but, you know, this is definitely a security risk. I'm like, that was another one is like, uh, who was it? Someone will call uh, a guy, a London or a UK TV station late night. Cause it was late for me. Even I think it was like after five 30 or six o'clock here. So whatever late night news there was like the secu- the safety of flights was at risk. It's like, no, the safety of flights wasn't at risk. Cause they didn't let any ones take off. So they were all fine. They were just on the ground. It was a pain in the ass, but it wasn't <laughs> unsafe. I mean, I think the historic piece of this was it's the first time that there's been a ground stop nationwide since 9-11. I think yes. that was the big news. And a subtle difference between that and a nationwide grounding, which happened on 9-11, which is that they didn't make everybody land. Yeah. But yes, it was the first time there, other than that, it's the first time there's been a nationwide ground stop in 20 odd years. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know that there's been one before. Was there one before 9-11? I don't know that there was. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, uh... Yeah, I think I think this is again more proof of infrastructure uh, updates are needed. Yeah, well, potentially. Right. I mean, I actually this is another weird one. I got a random phone call like from an unknown number. I was like, eh, probably should answer this just in case. It might be work related. I was trying to get some people on the phone at some point for something else. I think I'm Thursday or Friday. And the guy's like, "Hi, I'm a professor in New Jersey at a university, and I teach the history of computing. I'm trying to understand what language the NoDM system is built in because just because it's old doesn't mean it's bad." <laughs> <laughs> and here's the thing just because it's old doesn't mean it's bad old things can work fine but it's harder to support it's harder to get people to support it it's harder to recover you don't have as many resources available like trying to like right like oh we need an expert in x it's like okay well there's three of them and two of them are sitting here so if they don't know what's going on the third guy's asleep you're in big trouble yeah yeah um and which is not to say right you don't have to constantly be upgrading things but like sort of general maintenance and migration from version to version over time, keeping it on current operating systems and current database technologies. Really kind of useful. I, I have to say, the thing that makes me shudder is like the number of computers that are out there potentially running Windows 95 still eh. on, on critical systems. 95 NT. <laughs> I mean, yeah. There's stuff older than that, too. Well, yeah, but older yes. might be better. <laughs> I don't know. I... I was laughing. My, one of my projects that recently ended was I was we we're decommissioning a bunch of servers, and there were a bunch of they had some. I think this company was finally done with 2003, but they still had some 2008 servers. And like I'm old enough that that was my wheelhouse. That was my jam. I knew. I know. I still like visually have the screen memorized and know where all the buttons are. Whereas if I look at a 2019 or 2022 server, I'm like, hang on a second, let me find that. And everybody else on the call, so like, who do we do? So I'm like, oh no, guys, I got this one. Like I remember this. I don't know the new stuff, but I can do the old stuff just fine. You're the old, you're the old fogey on the call. Well, it's like, you know, graduating college, they were hiring people. I would graduate in 99 and people were getting hired to learn COBOL in six weeks so that they can go fix mainframes for Y2K. Yeah. Because there weren't enough, you know, COBOL programmers or Fortran programmers. I'm like, 
I'm the guy that they would have called in for that. But now, 20 years later, I'm like doing the 30 year old, you know, the 20 year old computers. I'm like, oh, shit. You should, you should see what Cobalt programmers get paid now. I'm sure. They'll hey. systems. Yep. Yep. Um, tell me about Airbus bowing out of the Boeing safety panel. This one is kind of interesting in a lot of ways. So there's basically a, the FAA has mandated this panel be put together with experts from across the industry to help uh, ensure that Boeing stops doing stupid things, more or less, that the, the operations continue to be safe and that new planes are developed right. Right there, The company is under extreme FAA oversight at this point. Every new airplane that goes out the door has additional inspections from the agency, yada, yada, yada. Um, and so there's experts from uh, the U.S. majors that all have the max on order. There was a few other groups involved, sort of like academics and whatnot. And then Airbus America's certification head was appointed and that raised some eyebrows and there's two arguments for this one is we don't compete on safety of course it makes sense to have someone who's so well versed in certifications and safety be on the panel and the other one is oh god he's going to you know sandbag the program and screw Boeing because he works for Airbus (laughs) and so as to avoid even the appearance of the impropriety of B option B uh he has uh kindly declined airbus has kindly declined to participate well i'm not sure which way i think it should have gone honestly i mean i think i think it would have made sense had they stayed i mean when it's when you say it raises eyebrows do you think do you think airbus felt uncomfortable yeah right it it if anything goes in theory these deliberations in the panels are supposed to be somewhat private right you don't want bickering and inviting to come public and whatnot and so if anything slowed it down at all along the way, you run the risk of people being like, oh, well, of course, it's like Boeing isn't getting it cert- recertified as quickly. Boeing isn't getting, you know, the shackles of the FAA taken off as much as it should because Airbus is on the panel and trying to screw them because they can keep maintain their lead in sales and deliveries. Yep. I I understand that point of view. I don't honestly, I think Airbus obviously wants to win every deal, but not really. Airbus is smart enough to know that it can't deliver every airplane the world needs and it needs Boeing a viable fighting competitor. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. Um, the U S state department isn't doing such a great job issuing passports, uh, passports with the X gender marker. So this is the new non-binary mark that I guess, I mean, it was a big deal that the government finally agreed to start issuing these passports. And I think that's great as of, I think the, I actually don't even know when they started at some point last year. Well, in 2022, they started issuing them. And there's like, there's passport issuing centers all around the country. Only one of them can issue these. They're the only one with the correct dot matrix printer or what? Uh, like... uh, literally, yeah. Apparently, the the Arizona, I think it's in Phoenix, facility is the only one that can print passports with the X marker on it. And <laughs> is bizarre, right? Like, you'd think... If anyone is going to get upgraded first, maybe the National Passport Processing Center that's supposed to handle like the bulk of them, and which is down the street from me, uh, would have gotten it. But no. Uh, and so, I mean, there's a sort of a thread from Twitter that I'll, I link to in the show notes. But basically, this guy like, or someone who I, I don't know, um, not a guy, uh, someone who identifies as non-binary, who showed up and was you know, sent the passport in like for renewal months ago, and it wasn't happening, it wasn't happening, and their trip was happening. They're like, okay, well, I need to expedite it. What do I do? And finally got someone to explain to them, like, okay, well, you can get the emergency appointment 
And at one point, they actually tried to make him drive up to New Hampshire from New York. He eventually got a, uh, they eventually got an appointment in Stanford, which is one of the uh, better centers if you're in New York and can't get a New York City appointment. On the day of travel, they showed up in the morning. Because right, I mean, this is the the. It's actually impressive to watch them ch- turn him out when they have to. They showed up on the morning of travel, and a supervisor explained to them, "We can't issue it with an X today. We can issue it with an M or an F, but not an X." And confirmed that's only the one in Arizona can issue the X's. And if they wanted to fly, they'd have to get one issued. And I think he, they got it issued with an M stamped on it. And then they got, but the renewal, they, as soon as the trip finished, they could then send that one back in and restart the process for another new one with the X on it. But that one at least would be a freebie because they got screwed on this and like paid for the expedite and all the other stuff. And they, they, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, they waived the fee for the expedite, the in-person service because it wasn't the right one. Wow. Yeah. It's actually it's actually impressive that they they were like so accommodating. Yeah, we say like the managers did it right, which is kind of impressive. I agree. Yeah, like they have a button that they can waive the fee if they if it's like not really the correct thing. That's interesting. I never would guess the U.S. government had that. <laughs> exactly. Bill. I thought it was like, oh no, everyone pays the fee. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, it's pretty terrible. I I I don't understand. I mean, this I guess it comes back to technology again. You know, maybe we just need to, to update some stuff like between. This yeah, yes, I, I don't. Th- there's also like apparently what the person was told like there's extra screening that goes on for the non for the X marker and like oh. well, what is it uh and it was like sort of crickets they whether they don't know or we didn't want to share or it was just weird mm-hmm. but I don't know the whole thing is it's it was nice to see the U.S. government like sort of take this step forward and it turns out they did a pretty bad job of it so yeah yeah maybe it'll get better soon hopefully yeah we'll see um. We've got a bunch of Delta stuff, so uh, let's talk about I, let's talk about Paris Salt Lake City uh, diverting to Madrid first. How about that? Sure. Um, I think sure. everybody was kind of like scratching their head. Uh, there was a technical issue with this flight and de-icing, right? Yes. Yep. Okay. And go ahead, go ahead, Foz. I'll let you. Go. I was just gonna say there were I, I can't remember exactly where, but they were somewhere over Ireland or past Ireland. And rather than diverting somewhere around there, they end up having to go to Madrid, and that's why people were scratching their head initially. And it turns out the reason that they went there is they needed an airport that was warm where they would need any de-icing equipment because some de-icing equipment on board was what was failing. Yeah, I think there was concern if they descended through the cloud layers or whatever, they, at you know further north latitudes, they might ice the, the wings or something. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so they, they had to pick a warmer place to go although warm doesn't always mean necessarily no de-ice no ice uh a friend of mine who worked in airlines in africa uh he helped run an airline in uh, ghana for a while would tell the story if they had a plane that descended too quickly and had too much fuel left in the wings Mm -hmm. the wings would still be cold when it landed and the moisture the humidity would actually like the because the the fuel in the wings held the, the cold longer would cause condensation on the wings to freeze. It hmm. could actually have icing conditions in warm weather in Africa, like nearly equatorial Africa, because yep. of like the wing being too cold when the plane got on the ground. Because of science, yeah. science. <laughs> so you know, Orlando though, uh, this week, or this weekend, or last weekend, I guess, if you're listening to this now, uh, had to de-ice some planes because they have equipment. they have equipment. Yeah. Wow, I'm impressed. Yeah. They have like one truck. I believe that. It's one truck with a guy, one guy. Yeah, hey, listen, he's strained. Yeah. It's like DFW. <laughs> and they got one truck, one guy. Hey, now. 
<laughs> um, let's see. Uh, and then the other one is uh, a short landing at uh, Amsterdam. So it was an A330. I think it was coming from Detroit. Uh, landed short of the runway. Um, and when I say short, like it wasn't at the threshold. It was before the threshold. It actually took out some lights at the end of the runway. Yeah. Like hit the dirt and then rolled onto the asphalt. Yeah. <laughs> pretty pretty wild stuff. Like I'm surprised that they did this. Yeah. Good news is there wasn't that engineered. Uh, yeah, the slowdown, the, the slowdown, like the yeah, like the gravel pit for tr- runaway trucks, but they put it on like the end of LaGuardia runway, so planes don't yeah. run off the end because it would have just like hit that and like defunct. Right. Yeah, I mean, it, I think it would have been really bad. I think we would have it would have majored. Probably would have ripped the landing gear off the speed it was going. I would assume. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, so it'll be. I, I'm interested to hear what happened there because to me it seems like the glide slope uh, warning would have been going off yeah. during that landing. Has that plane returned to service? Do we know? I don't know. Do we have a tail number? I don't see a tail number. Pull it up. Okay. I don't know. Um, what other yeah. planes? Uh, and then there was a 757-200 at Santa Ana, SNA, uh, that had a rejected takeoff due to an engine failure. Oops. Uh, and then on top of that, there was a loss of autopilot and flight controls. This was back in July. Uh, Father spotted this one. Uh, and this one's weird because of the circumstances. Like, it's a weird story. Um, so Foz, go ahead. I'll let you tell it. Yeah, this one has me scratching my head. They basically had declared emergency loss of flight controls and worked through this checklist. They were going to divert. And I think they were over somewhere over Greenland. And then things came, they were, and then things seemed to be working and they decided to go all the way back to JFK. It was a Prague to JFK flight. I am a little concerned that they had a loss of flight controls. They decided to go the entire way. Hmm. And this this started off as like flooding, right? right. Uh, there was a flooding issue in the mid cabin labs, and then uh, flooding in the forward lab, uh, and then uh, the autopilot disconnected, and they couldn't engage any of the others. All three uh, failed yeah. to work, and then it began. The aircraft began to drift to the right, and they couldn't correct. Uh, and then they were looking to to declare an emergency and divert to Gander. And then they got about a hundred miles within about a hundred miles east of Gander, and then they said everything was working fine and continued on to JFK. I don't know. Like to me, it's like yeah, maybe we should just land. Like I, <laughs> yeah, we're fortunate yeah. that we have control again. Let's get on the ground so we can figure out why we lost yeah. it. Yeah. The uh, Delta the Delta three thirty is still on the ground in Amsterdam as of Sunday night. Well, I mean, it takes a while to pry the lights out of the landing gear. Have a, have a wheel well, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, no, but this is just weird, though. This story. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Um, and then I think the other story really is uh, the near miss at JFK. Then we'll talk a little bit about some other stuff. But well, there... before we get to that, because that also involves another like, we talk, they also cut their they're cutting employee lounge access. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, here, I guess it's only if you're flying non-rev. That's what it's. Yeah, it sounds. Yeah, like, that's what right? it sounds like. If you're and previously, if you're flying non-rev but bought a club membership, which they sold at a discount for employees you could use the lounge and now they're saying not so much i get it like i get it right you're like okay you're an employee you don't need the uh, the lounge on a, a stand told to go rest in a crew re- in the crew restrooms and stuff yeah I, which is but like the last thing you want to do if you're flying not for work but the yeah and but at the same time you guys sold these passes to your employees um how are your lounges this full like i just i don't understand and one of the things that I read was that they encourage employees to buy the passes. <laughs> so it's like you encourage these people to do it and every time they can't use it. 
Yeah. That's that's frustrating. I mean, how many employees fly with their family, right? Like to take a a trip or maybe their 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 spouse to go on a trip and it's like, "Oh, well, we can use the lounge while we wait and make sure we clear into business class or even coach." Uh and then now you're being told, "No, go go sit in the terminal after you bought this thing." I don't know. It's I I think it's kind of crappy. Yes, it's very I mean, also like clear like you said, clearly the lounges are overcrowded, but like is this What's going to fix that? Like, I feel like Delta is dancing around the real problem. I, that's, I mean, it's a good point, right? Like, how much they have the data, they know who's entering these lounges, right? Did they look at it and go, oh, yeah, it's clearly it's employees? I highly doubt that because it's, it wasn't the first move they made. And like, were the employees the ones standing in the 30 minute lines at JFK? Yeah. It's... I don't know. Um, also, that I, I didn't put in the show notes here, but random rumors of new routes for Delta. Uh, Salt Lake City and LA to Seoul, Incheon. Okay. To feed Trans-Pacific with the Korean joint venture and LA to Auckland. LA to Auckland. Everybody's trying to get in on the Auckland stuff, I guess. Yeah. New Zealand saw it. Yep. Uh, I, I think the Seoul stuff makes sense. Since yeah, these are routes that used to go to Narita for yep. onward connections there. Now they're going to bring them to Korea because they have the partnership. Now that I, I'm interested to see what they actually do here at Portland because... Now that they are pushing Seoul, they announced Seoul out of here, will they keep a Tokyo flight? Now that COVID is kind of, you know, quote unquote over, will they bring a Tokyo flight back? Will they just let it, you you know, feed that that traffic through Seattle? I guess the question is, where did the Nike contract, where did the Nike folks have to go? Um, I don't think they really care as long as they can connect. But what's their end destination? Usually Southeast Asia, Vietnam. Yeah. Yeah. So Nike and then even Intel, I think Intel stuff, they have some fab stuff in Vietnam as well. Um, so I don't, I don't know that they care, really. Let's say if they're connecting anyways, as long as they get the JB connections on where they're in good shape. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it does raise a question, like, do they keep their contracts with Delta? Probably. As long as the connections are there. Yeah. My my understanding was... The but does Delta have any slots that have to start... Do they have any slots they have to start reusing it in Tokyo? No, they, uh, they're, well, they'll restart their Haneda service just fine. And they basically, they shut down their Narita ups. So the, the, it's unlikely that they will bring back Portland then. My only thing is, is that there's a lot of O&D demand on that route. Like there's, there was like an article recently about how much Japanese tourists are obsessed with Portland. Um, I saw that. Yeah. Uh, so I don't, I don't know. It's, uh, I, I'm interested to see. They they filled that plane every time. So, but, but tourism won't really drive revenue. True. True. I mean, does some, some, but not. It's not going to keep the flight profitable. Yeah, I think it depends on the equipment, right? Like if they if they start bringing, I don't think they have something small enough, right? I don't think they're going to do seven six threes because they're slowly retiring those, right? Right. So yeah, I don't know. It's it's just a thought I had. Um. So yeah, Jeff, Jeff Grade of, Jeff Grade of Buenos Aires was announced also. On Delta. On Delta. Delta. Oh. Wait, is it actually going to fly this time? Well, I mean, they applied for it. <laughs> I mean, they they've announced got the, it like 10 years ago. This time they've got the Latam joint venture. Everything's fine, Foss. It's just fine. So what's next? Gothenburg? <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you know when I'm there next week, two weeks. Um, so the other thing was the near miss at JFK. Um, yeah. and, and this involved American Airlines. There was an American Airlines flight crossing the active runway. Uh, it sounds like crossing it without clearance to do so, um, and the controller uh, quickly 
told the Delta flight to stop its takeoff, and which it did, um, and uh, averted yeah. averted uh, an incident. Ended up about a thousand feet apart on the runway, but you can imagine. Yeah, I think I, the best line I saw is someone said, "Well, never let it be said that the seven thirty seven nine hundred slow takeoff speeds uh, didn't save lives." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, another thing was a seven three nine, and didn't get up to speed fast enough, so they were able to hit the brakes. Basically, um, so yes, disaster averted. There's a couple. There's a, there's a lot of weird things about this. Among them, Delta's pilots went back to the gate, did some stuff, and that flight ended up going like eighteen hours late. It went the next morning. Huh. American, same, and I, presumably with a different crew. Americans' pilots made whatever calls they had to make, and like. Never went back to the gate. Ended up going out that night, apparently. Huh. And so one person raised a question of, because of the way the uh, cockpit voice recorders work, it probably, oh, they don't record that much. They don't save us, you know, that long of the conversations. They probably lost the recordings of, from the flight deck of what was happening when this incident occurred. Oh, that's interesting. And whether that was on purpose or not is unclear, but it's seems likely that they don't they won't have the voice recordings right Nor- normally after an incident one of the options certainly and it's i guess somewhat common to do is you pull the circuit breaker on that which stops the cockpit voice recorder and then if you need a new one you take that one out you sp- swap a new one in and you put the circuit breaker back in so it starts working again but the idea is to preserve the evidence so they didn't return to the gate or anything they just like, they waited a little bit made whatever calls they had to make and then went yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. Like, runway incursions, you would think the pilot would have to make... I mean, they typically have to make an FAA call. Yeah, so they, I, I, the, I mean, the controllers came on and were like, I, we're going to have a number for you, for advise one ready to copy. And they said, yep. And then a little while later, the plane took off. I mean, I guess the Delta flight, they, it takes a while to clean your underwear. I mean, <laughs> that's that's probably why. I mean, I think that's probably part of it was it was yeah. a little bit of like... And I, I could imagine those, those crew didn't want to go, like, yeah. or... Very happy saying, you know what? We're had a bad day here. Yeah, gonna take a little bit of a break. We'll go tomorrow. Yeah, Yeah, this was on that was on what Friday night? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that plane went out. Oh, no, it could have been Friday anyway. Um, tell tell me, tell me about the Max being back in China. Yeah, started flying all of a sudden. Uh, they got it. Uh, China Southern had a couple in the air. Uh, that was on Friday. Um, it's you know they're they're flying they've returned to service and hmm. so now it's just a matter you know that's a big first step obviously the bigger step in some ways is getting deli- for Boeing is getting deliveries running again yeah um although at this point it's hard to tell like I mean, we talked about this a couple months ago now like Boeing started taking those planes and redelivering them to other airlines hmm. so the pending deliveries to China I'm not sure when they're gonna like actually happen. <laughs> Or, like, what planes they're going to use and if they have to, like, rebuild them. Yeah, I mean, do you think they'll restart soon, though? I mean, I think it's going to be a little bit... It's going to take a little while, right? Like, to get planes even... Like, does does China have to do the same type of stuff we did where it's like, okay, well, now they can be delivered? Or do they have any special inspections or anything like that? I, I don't know if China has imposed additional requirements beyond uh, the FAA stuff. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's good to see, you know, I mean, it's, it opens up a market again for Boeing, which is good. Um, so we'll see, maybe it'll, it'll help a little bit. 
the new Newark terminal, Terminal A. Well, I guess it's is it Terminal A or One now? Back to being called A. It's back to being called, so they were going to call it Terminal One, right at the beginning. Yes. Okay. Well, at one point they were going to change it, and so now it's back to being Terminal A. Yeah. Not not confusing at all. Okay. Uh, is open. I think it's better keeping it as A. True. I wish they wouldn't have. I, I mean, I was confused. So. Um, yeah, it was it was on the night of the thirteenth. What's interesting is like the flight wasn't that late getting to London. I'm sorry, I'm just fine. To the AA flight. Yeah. I mean, what's interesting about that is right when you listen to the cockpit voice recorders, it sound seems like um, they were doing departures on four L, and AA wasn't the AA pilots weren't really paying attention because the ATC guy said you you're headed towards thirty one L. Yeah, it 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 sounded to me like they expected 31L, quote-unquote, nor- like normal, I guess, and we're told, you know, again, we we, we can hear the, not the voice recorders, we can hear the tra- the ATC transcripts from live ATC recordings, but they were basically told to cross 4L, and instead they crossed, or they are told to cross 31L to get in line, and instead they crossed 4L as though they were lining up for 31. <laughs> but yeah, it only, I mean, it, it got off the ground at 920, which... It's only about 30 minutes later than usual. Wow. And still arrived early, which is kind of amazing. Is it, though? Yeah. I mean, so, scheduled padding in Heathrow, but still. Yeah. I guess it's winter. The wind's Winds. bringing across pretty quick. That's what I was thinking. Um, So let's let's chat about uh, the, the new terminal, then. Um, It looks nice, right? It looks like... It's a Taj Mahal's aviation? Not quite, but it's... Yeah, it does look nice. We'll go with that. Um... It it's it's having some problems. Mostly trash pickup. Well, so yeah, like day one, no one apparently emptied the garbage cans, and they were like overflowing. And it also seems like maybe the one of the concessions was like the oversized packaging for takeaway food, which is kind of weird, but fine. Um, I saw that. Uh, I saw a video from a flight attendant with like it's day two and this. Of operations and the boarding bridges are already trashed, like food crumbs ground into the carpet already, which is just like, you know, terrible people, passengers, but fine. Um, also, the airport just put out an alert on Sunday evening saying we're understaffed at TSA, so please arrive two hours early. Uh, I think pre check and clear are still not operating. Huh. And but, like, how or why? They had more people working in the old day. Clearly, one would assume they moved over. I don't know. Uh, okay. No, no, the union contract said they can only work in shitty terminals. So <laughs> <laughs> they're protesting the new terminal. Yeah, they moved over to B. <laughs> so, yeah, so TSA staff, Yeah, the, the statement from the airline airport is TSA staffing issues and higher than normal passenger volumes are creating excessive wait times. TSA is working to address this, but passengers are strongly to encourage to plan ahead and arrive two hours prior to their scheduled partner. I will say. Yes, you can move people over, but there it's not a one to one, right? There's some additional, you know, like just supervisor roles and stuff like that where you have to, uh, you have you need extra bodies sure. more than just the scanners and whatnot, right? So like you do need some extra bodies, but they've known this was coming. It's delayed a little bit, but I mean, I could I could very easily see the TSA being like, oh, we're not hiring until it's actually open, rather than it's going to open in you know originally it was mid November. Hire as though it's going to be open in mid-November, and if you have to keep people on staff for two months because it doesn't actually open until January, like, good problem to have, as opposed yep. to the current one, which is a terrible problem to have. Yep. Um, yeah, 
but that would be a sort of a rational way to approach a business. I get what you're saying about the supervisor and stuff, but like in the old day, there were still two operating banjos, presumably with at least two lanes open at a time. What I was reading is that only two or three lanes are open in the new terminal, which is less than what would be open in the old day. Yeah. Right. There's a fundamental problem. Is all of the old day fully closed? Yes. Okay. All, all three banjos are closed. Um, it's, I don't know, Foss. It's, it's definitely stupid. I will say that. Um, I don't know if they have, they need, maybe they need, because of the way it's set up, they need more people downstairs and that's screwing them up. Have you, have you driven by Foss? Oh, I've driven by many times. Have, but I mean, since it's open. No. I, actually, I was there Thursday when it opened, uh, but I was going to go over there, but then I started hearing about how much of a disaster it was because the opening they did, they uh, had a power outage. Um, things got backed up pretty bad. And I'm like, ah, it's probably not even worth trying to go over there right now. Gotcha. I was wondering, like, traffic-wise and stuff, because it is a little bit of a new system, right? Like, you have to go basically to the main entrance, and then it kind of loops back around, and then comes to Terminal A. It's a little confusing, it looks like. so. Yeah, because the you, you have to access it from the main road, but it's nowhere near the main road. So, like, yeah, you take an exit to go do a loop to come back. Yeah, there's no, like, exit off 1-9 that you can use to, to get to it. Yeah. Interesting. I'll be, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. They're going to use it mostly, uh, United's mostly going to use it for like Florida, uh, three, three, the Airbus fleet, really, right? Is what I've heard. I, I mean, they're, the first plane in was a 737-700. Huh. Yeah, I was going to say, I thought Florida is actually, is Florida out of Newark mostly the Airbus now? I would have guessed it's the 737s and the 757s for, well, they don't have those anymore, never mind. They used to be those for the capacity, but. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah, it looks nice. I mean, it looks nice and clean. Which it is... does. I mean, well, it sort of looked clean. Yeah. <laughs> when I mean, you look like big piles of trash and the other bits. Not it looks nicer than the old Terminal A, I'll put it that way. Yeah. And there's also, none of the lounges are open yet, apparently. And so they moved uh, an Admirals Club there, or they're going to move an Admirals, Admirals Club, and then they're in the United Club? Yep, and allegedly Delta's also moving into the Terminal. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. Well, I think that's a that's a show, guys. Uh, I want to thank our Patreon subscribers. Uh, we had some new uh, patrons uh, this month. Uh, Elvin, Christian W., uh, Brian G., Sam, Joe N., Andrew S., Evan V., Tejas, and Hans P. Thanks for uh, supporting the show. Uh, stick around for a little bit more talk about uh, Northern Pacific. Uh, again, we're going to talk about them. And then FedEx uh, and some DC-10 stuff. So, uh, yeah, thanks for listening, and uh, happy travels. Bye-bye. Take care. Catch you next time.